sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after, live on this Tuesday, right here on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday, a huge Tuesday in the sports calendar. Week number five of the NFL season now in the books, but week six on the horizon in just a few days. Week seven of college football is going to be sensational. Major League Baseball is back with October baseball here in the postseason. The divisional series, all four of them, start today across the diamond. A huge preview coming your way in just a few minutes. The NHL season drops the puck tonight, and the NBA season is just one week away. So let's follow some of the storylines, some of the association drama that only the NBA can cultivate here in these preseason weeks. And of course, you've probably heard by now, and we shared last week, what is going on with the Golden State Warriors. A practice video leaked of an altercation between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Teammates at practice with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green getting into each other's faces, and then Draymond Green taking a swing and hitting Jordan Poole, a full blown haymaker punch Draymond Green now stepping away from the Warriors organization here in the final couple of days leading up to this NBA regular season we're not so sure what his status is going to be by the time we get to tip a week from tonight the Warriors in action on that opening night taking on the LA Lakers but Draymond stepping away at least for this time being cooler heads possibly prevailing the question is how did this video get out into the public this should be behind closed doors tensions are always high sometimes tempers flare obviously you should not hit your own teammate and throw a punch at them but this video now leaked to the public and has led to many questions around the golden state warriors the reigning nba champions the favorites to win the western conference for a second straight year and a team with a really high win total at 52 and a half here are the odds for golden state entering this 2022-23 campaign as they look to repeat as nba title winners plus 190 in a very difficult pacific division this year to win the west it's plus 320 again that is the shortest number on the board and win the championship seven to one tied for the third best price but the best number for teams, one of the best numbers at the very least, for teams from the Western Conference. So as we go around the Western Conference, it is going to be a competitive league this year. Plus 324 Golden State, plus 330 for the Los Angeles Clippers, only 10 cents behind the Dubs. There is a ton of optimism in LA for the Clippers because of the return of Kawhi Leonard and of course you add in John Wall pair that with a healthy Paul George and there is optimism in Los Angeles and the Phoenix Suns who have factored into this race the number one overall seed in the West the team that had the most wins in franchise history with 64 of them last year and the most wins in the league plus 430 with the third best price then you get your value plays like the Nuggets Nikola Jokic with a healthy Jamal Murray John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies at 10 to 1 and how about those Lakers 11 to 1 with the sixth best price LeBron James 
Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, all of that trying to come together for L.A. And will Anthony Davis be healthy this year, able to play for the Lakers, who did not even qualify for the Western Conference play-in tournament a season ago? Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after, live all across the grid in Sirius XM Channel 1. 59 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well i am ben stevens the nba season starts one week from today so we always look toward the future not just this year but beyond that because in the 2023 nba draft that comes next june the number one overall pick whoever wins the lottery the number one overall pick is going to be victor wembayama it's not even a conversation at this point he is a generational type talent as it is projected out in the NBA. We talked about his game last week for his French club against G League Ignite and Scoot Henderson, who is going to be the number two overall pick. Victor Wembayama with a 7-4 frame, scored 37 points and made seven three-pointers and have five blocks. He backed that up with another great performance last week as well. And now he's hanging out with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And there probably hasn't been this highly touted of a prospect in NBA history since the King and LeBron James in the early 2000s. So the tankathon is on in the NBA season because everybody wants Victor Wembayama. And if you're going to be a team that has projected just about 25 wins this year, why not try to get that best spot in the lottery or a potential of those three spots with the three best percentages to have the number one overall pick? So our John Shames, our fantastic producer here on the morning after, and one of the best basketball minds all across the Spiz Grizz, played future mock odds maker to who is going to have the worst record in the NBA. He has the Utah Jazz as the betting favorite right now because Danny Ainge, a big seller in Salt Lake this offseason. No Rudy Gobert, no Donovan Mitchell, no Boyan Bogdanovich. The Utah Jazz, a very different team this year. The Houston Rockets, eh. Not going to be great. Jalen Green and Jabari Smith. We'll see how they pair together. The San Antonio Spurs, who Pop literally said, do not bet on us. We're going to be really bad this year. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have a good young nucleus, but a big blow is Chet Holmgren. The number two overall pick of this past year's draft probably won't play this year, or at least for a good majority of it. As you look at the win totals on the board, the Spurs, a very low win total in the low 20s. The Utah Jazz at 24 and a half. That's how you could correlate the market to that future odds maker to have the worst record in the association. But that's coming up next week. The Divisional Series in Major League Baseball start today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Divisional Series around Major League Baseball start today all four series in action starting in just about three hours time in Atlanta with the reigning World Series champs and the Philadelphia Phillies so here to preview the rest of October baseball and what we will see in the DS's around the league this postseason something very special on this Tuesday live on the morning after two of our favorite baseball guests two of the best baseball minds who actually work together and they bring them together here on TMA. It is Arm Layton and Jack McMullen, both of Just Baseball Media, both hosting the Just Baseball show together, here to preview the postseason in the bigs. Arm, Jack, 
Thank you very, very much. Arm, did you ever think you would be here on the morning after, right next to your great coworker and friend, Jack McRoland? Uh, you know, I, I talked to this guy enough on the Just Baseball show. Uh, I, I was hoping we could uh, separate our segments here, but I guess him and I are going to go at it about the postseason. I'm excited. Yes. You know, I'm I, I'm a little bit apologetic, I guess, then, that I'm making you spend more time together. But for me, this is very fun, and I think it will be for our audience as well. So let's dive right in. Let's start in the American League. The Houston Astros, the favorites to win the AL pennant, in a fun divisional series against a divisional opponent in the Seattle Mariners. The upstart M's, Jack McMullen, who pulled off the upset in Toronto with a wild game two victory to win that opening wild card series against the Blue Jays. Jack, as you look at the odds today, the Houston Astros with Justin Verlander on the bump, very heavily favored at minus 230. What do you expect out of this opening game of this series with the familiarity between these two clubs? So I, I would have said I expect Justin Verlander to turn back the clock and give us a vintage Justin Verlander start, but he's 39 years old and he's putting up arguably the best year of his entire career. So I expect 39-year-old Justin Verlander to show up, and 39-year-old Justin Verlander is unlike any pitcher that we've probably ever seen in the last mm, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I expect Verlander to be awesome. The Mariners have caught lightning in a bottle, man. I mean, that 8-1 deficit to come back and win that game 10-9 was utter magic. And, you know, part of me is upset that game one won't be in Seattle. I can't wait for game three in Seattle to see that crowd. But I feel like Houston is the big, bad, almost the new evil empire in the American League just because they're so good and they have been for quite a while. Verlander has been the best pitcher on the planet this year. I think he continues to do that. Arm, you've been all over the M's all year. You were here with us previewing the Major League Baseball regular season, and you said if there's a team in the American League that can make some noise, it is Seattle. So let's look at the series odds. If the Mariners are to pull an upset and the Astros are heavily favored to win this American League divisional series, how do the Mariners pull off that big feat? Yeah, I think Jack hit the nail on the head. And I was hoping, you know, when we recorded the Just Baseball show yesterday that maybe he would say something a little different because I've loved the the Mariners all year long. Like you've said, I've had so much fun embracing this run, but you run into the juggernaut here in the, in the second round and it gets a little bit scary. The one thing I will say that they have working in their favor here is that they were able to kind of get through that series quickly. That comeback allows them to you know, not have to go to a third starter so far in that series. So they have arrested Logan Gilbert. They have George Kirby, who only threw one inning. And you know, then they can go back around to their guy, Luis Castillo, who has been money for them all year. It's really going to be, for me, I think they got to match the, the Astros pitching-wise. It's going to be really tough to score. I don't expect them to score in volume uh, on, on this Mariners pitching staff. It's just going to be too – or excuse me, on this Astros pitching staff. It's just going to be mm-hmm. too hard. But they do have the pitchers, both in the rotation and the bullpen, that can match up with them. I know the Astros' lineup is one of the best in baseball, but the Mariners, when they're all clicking – we know the bullpen's as good as it gets. The rotation has really come together. I think it's really going to be on Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. How much can those guys step up? And what's Robbie Ray's role in this series? Didn't look good in game two. They have other options. Very interested to see how they handle that. They're going to have to be perfect, but they do have the personnel pitching wise to be able to keep the Astros in check or really keep any offense in check. 
And Ben, what I will say here is, you know, so much of the fanfare went to the Mets, right? Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, oh, they have to have the best starting rotation in the postseason. That's not true. And yesterday on the Just Baseball show, we were walking through the Astros rotation. It's like, okay, who do they go to for game two? Framber Valdez, a sub three ERA, the best ground ball pitcher in baseball. Man, that's really hard for Seattle. Who do they go to game three? Christian Javier, who went seven no-hit innings, punched out 13 against the New York Yankees earlier this year. Man, that's really hard. Who do you go to game four? Lance McCullers, who once snapped off like 25 consecutive breaking balls in a World Series game. And then you've got Hunter Brown, who has about 20 major league innings under his belt. He throws 98 to 99 with crazy breaking stuff. I mean, this is as deep and as talented a starting rotation as you will find in either the ALDS or the NLDS. And as you saw, the most likely outcome is Houston to win this series in just four games. Best of five now in the divisional series. That price plus 250 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Justin Verlander has been in Major League Baseball for nearly two decades. This year, he is 18-4 and four with the Big's best ERA, 1-7-5. Good luck to the Mariners tonight in Houston against Justin Verlander. The other ALDS series up in the Bronx, the New York Yankees hosting the Cleveland Guardians. Garrett Cole gets the start today for the pinstripes. And Arum, this is the time for the New York Yankees, as it is every year. They have made it to the postseason. They have Garrett Cole on the bump. Will the Yankees show up in the playoffs? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you kicked it to me because I, I know Jack and I are going to be in harmony on this one. Uh, I know we both like the Guardians. I don't want to speak for him and, and take his words away, but I, I'm excited to see how he follows this up because we both like the Guardians in five in this one, um, and we'll get into kind of the nitty-gritty of that. But, I mean, this performance today is really going to define the series. You know, let's say Garrett Cole comes out and shoves and they win this game. You know, I, I think it looks a little bit different. I still think the Guardians can put up a fight, but – Here's my thing. I don't think Garrett Cole comes out and shoves today. I think he turns in a decent outing. I think he fights off a slow start. And you look at the end of the outing, and you're like, okay, he, he still went five or six. Uh, but he, he's got to keep them in check because this, this bullpen is as good as it gets. And Cal Quantrill's just had some magic this year, man. I mean, it, it has been really wild to watch. He kind of defies every single advanced statistic you want to look at. Cal Quantrill just gets outs. And I think he's going to keep that rolling to a degree. Uh, it really lies on whether, and I wanted to kick this to Jack. Jack, is Garrett Cole rising to the occasion here in October? <laughs> Absolutely not, Aram. Uh, good <laughs> job stealing Ben's job here. Uh, I don't it was think really, Garrett really well Cole rising to the occasion. <laughs> um, I, I've actually got an article bookmarked that I want to go and read after this. Um, I saw The Athletic dropped it this morning. It was, it was Garrett Cole handling the hardest job in baseball, and that's being the ace of the New York Yankees. And what did they pay Garrett Cole over $300 million to do? They paid him to throw over 200 innings in a year, and they paid him to strike out about 200 to 250 guys. He does that. Problem is, he's not doing that with a 2-3 ERA. He's doing that with a 3-5 ERA. And the Garrett Cole that we've seen in the postseason, and it, we're not too far removed from last year in the American League wildcard game. I mean, this guy has the tendency to give up the long ball. Cleveland does not hit many home runs. We saw all of their runs come via home run in that wild card series against Tampa. If Garrett Cole gets hit for a couple of home runs, whether it be Jose Ramirez, whether it be Oscar Gonzalez, whether it be Josh Naylor, whether it be somebody else, um, I think Garrett Cole is the biggest X factor in the postseason on any team from here on out. If he pitches like the ace of the New York Yankees, 
the Yankees can win the World Series. I don't expect him to pitch like the ace of the New York Yankees. And we have seen Garrett Cole give up the most homers this year in the American League. So quickly here, a quick one-word prediction from both of you, or two words because we'll need two teams. All year long, it's been the two at the top, the Astros and the Yankees, predicted a face-off in the ALCS. Aram, we start with you. Who will play in the ALCS? I'm going to go with Guardians, and I'm going to go with the Astros. Jack? Give you one word, same. Wow. The Guardians and the Astros. Not believers in the Bronx. We'll go to the National League. Up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're back, and they're back. Both Jack McMullen and Arm Layton still with us here on the morning after, previewing the divisional series all around Major League Baseball. We touched on the American League, now over to the NL. And in these divisional series, three of the four feature a matchup between divisional opponents, playing in the same division all regular season long. That means 19 games against one another, and we have seen that, of course, in the National League West, a heated rivalry in California, in SoCal between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. In Arum, the Dodgers this year were incredibly dominant against the San Diego Padres. 14 of the 19 games, the Dodgers won. A part of a historic regular season where the Dodgers were the best team in baseball. Now, as we open up the NLDS tonight inside Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, Arum, will we see much of the same that we saw in the regular season now in the playoffs? You know, it's funny. I, I think there's two answers to this question. I think game one, yes. I think this series, though, we're going to see a pretty good battle. I, I really believe in, in the momentum that the Padres have generated here. I mean, what we've seen from them, uh, even in that short series against New York, to, to get the bats going. And I think some of their big guys that have not been doing it offensively for them, you know, through the second half of the season, really stepping up has been a massive, massive development for them. But also, how about some of their pitchers? Joe Musgrove, it wasn't just that outing that we saw where he's been dominant. He was great to finish the year and has kind of kept that momentum rolling. I really believe in the momentum we see from the Padres to, to the point where they're going to give them a good matchup here. That said, if there's one exception to everything I'm saying, it's Mike Clevenger. He has been really, he's been pretty brutal down the stretch here. And I think it's going to be a pretty tough matchup for him. Game one in LA as they've been waiting. The one thing that they could have working in their favor is that you know, it's been a while since the Dodgers have played a live game. Clevenger maybe yeah. can keep him off balance, but he just has not looked like the Mike Clevenger that, that you know, AJ Preller went out and acquired a couple of years ago. Jack, when you look at yeah, this I pitching mean, matchup, go ahead, take it away. I was going to ask you about the pitching matchup anyway, so dive into it. Perfect. Yeah, so I think the title of, like, best pitcher doesn't change much. We talk about this on the Just Baseball show constantly. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball when he's, when he's on the mound. But I think when you start to get into the subsets of that, best lefty in baseball, best pitcher in the National League. Best pitcher in the National League this year was Sandy Alcantara with the Miami Marlins. But – I think the best lefty in baseball this year was Julio Arias with the L.A. Dodgers. And at the beginning of the year, Shane McClanahan held that title. His second half might have relinquished that. 
And Julio was just so darn good in the second half. This is a guy that lives with a fastball around 2,500 RPMs, which means high spin, top of the zone. He gets a ton of weak contact in the air. I think Julio Rios, what he did in the back half, solidified himself as the best left-handed pitcher in baseball. And the second best, probably going for Atlanta, Max Freed, we'll get to him. And then you've got Clayton Kershaw right behind him as well. So you've got Julio, you've got, you've got Clayton Kershaw, Urias and Mike Clevenger. I think if anything is going to zap momentum for the Padres, it's Mike Clevenger taking the ball against the best lefty in baseball. And that's going to be such an interesting conversation for the Dodgers. It's not the household names we have known in the past. Yes, Clayton Kershaw will get the start for L.A. in game number two. But they'll count on guys like the Catman and Tony Gonsolin, who was sensational this year, and Tyler Anderson to have big postseason starts on their way, potentially, to a World Series appearance. As we look at the starting pitcher K props tonight, Mike Clevenger, a small number just three and a half, and Julio Arias on the other side, four and a hook. An ultimate hat uh, tip to Dave Roberts tonight. If he has the umps go out there and check the ears of Mike Clevenger, <laughs> just move back the long hair, and if they feel around, that would be an all-time moment in Major League Baseball postseason history. So, Jack, going back to you here quickly, as we look at this series, Arm said he expects it to be competitive in the best of five. The Dodgers still a very, very heavy favorite to advance to the NLCS. Who wins this series and in how many games? Yeah, so we now know that Trent Grisham is the reincarnation of Barry Bonds and Austin <laughs> Nola is the reincarnation of Ivan Rodriguez. So, uh, no, man, I, I think that a lot of the momentum is going to dissipate here uh, with Urias and Kershaw getting the ball game one and two. I think it's going to be the Dodgers in four. I think San Diego takes a start from Joe Musgrove in game three, maybe, uh, game two, if they want to push him that quickly, I don't think they will. I think they'll go to three. Um, but I do think that, that it'll be the Dodgers in four here. Arm, same question to you. Who wins this series and in how many games? I think it's Dodgers in four, but it's going to be a stressful four. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. earlier in the year I would have said Dodgers take care of business in three. I do think they're going to get one of them. And I think the fourth game could go either way. There's a chance it goes five. I, I really do believe the Padres are going to give them their best punch here. Uh, but I I concur with almost everything Jack said, except for the fact that Arias is the best lefty in baseball. I think we're about to talk about the best left-handed pitching, uh, the best left-handed pitcher in baseball. But other than that, um, you know, this is, this is a team that is just too good. And the way the pitching matchups kind of line up, uh, the Dodgers should be able to stifle that momentum, as Jack said. The Dodgers to win in four games and in five games is the shortest correct score in the market. The same number at plus 270. A Dodgers team that won 111 games this regular season. Now against a bitter divisional foe there in Southern California, the San Diego Padres tonight. That's the final game of this divisional series Tuesday to start things off in Major League Baseball. The first game in just about two and a half hours in Atlanta. The World Series champs get going in this postseason at home against a divisional opponent as well, the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Arm, you mentioned it. You believe the best left-hander in baseball is Max Freed. He gets the start for the Braves in game number one against Ranger Suarez. In my estimation, that would be a pretty substantial edge for the Braves to pick up a first-game victory here and open up this series 1-0. What do you make of this pitching matchup we'll see today between the Phillies and the Braves? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be Max Freed really showing, you know, what he is capable of. And it's been a phenomenal year for him all season long. He's, he's not a guy that you're going to be able to pull up the splits and say, oh, home versus road or opponent or whatever it may be. He carved against everybody in every place. And, you know, he was one of the most consistent starters in baseball. You'll get him at home now, uh, even though, you know, like I said, he's good everywhere. I just really think he's going to rise to the occasion. The crowd has been phenomenal out there. And, um, I mean, Freed has just been the tone setter for what has been a phenomenal rotation, especially, especially with Spencer Strider banged up, who was just recently, you know, extended, which was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I really see Freed kind of taking this thing by the reins and setting the tone of this series. The Phillies, you know, they've definitely been good against lefties in spots, but Freed is one of those guys that, that to me, kind of defies that and, you know, makes it put the splits aside. Jack, the Braves right now a greater than $2 favorite at home today in this opening game of the series, a minus 186 favorite to win the series outright and advance back to the NLCS. How many games do you think we will see between Philadelphia and Atlanta? I think we see four games. Um, and I think that the Braves set the tone in game one not only because everybody on that roster is signed to an eight-year, $75 million deal, it feels like, and they all signed it when they were 23 years old. But um, I, I do think Atlanta has been there. They've done that, and that'll really help them. And we were talking about this yesterday on the show, Arm and I. Um, you know, I, I think the, the momentum between the Phillies and the Padres are two totally different momentums here. I think that, mm -hmm. in large part, the Cardinals lost that wild card series to the Phillies yeah. with that bullpen implosion, um, and then they just could not get bat on ball in game two. And credit to Aaron Nola, credit to Zach Wheeler. I think that the Phillies take one of those. I think that they do take Nola's, but you got to look at Atlanta, man. If Strider does find himself on this postseason roster, Atlanta is running out a rotational four of Max Fried, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, who we know is a postseason hero already, yep. and Spencer Strider. That offense is so good. They're young. They're exciting. You could make the argument that the offense is better this year than it was last year with Ronald Acuna back in the fold, with a guy like Michael Harris showing up and showing out, and with a guy like William Contreras taking a massive step in his career. I think that Atlanta is a juggernaut. And I think that we are going to see Tyson in Evander Holyfield in Braves Dodgers in the NLCS. Braves and to Jack's Dodgers. point, I mean, this, Wait, go ahead. Sorry, this Braves team is is as good as it's really ever been, right? We're seeing a team that won the World Series that got better, right? They add better. They add Michael Harris. It's it's a much better team than it was last year, and they won the World Series last year. All right, that was going to be my exact point. It is crazy to think about. The Atlanta Braves won a World Series last year, and maybe their best player in the clubhouse in Ronald Acuna Jr. wasn't even a part of the postseason roster, didn't play in the second half of the season. So that leads us to our World Series predictions as well. The Dodgers have been the favorite all year, and they remain that way entering the divisional series here in October. The Astros the second best price, but it is those reigning champs in Atlanta with the third best number arm we start with you your world series prediction the two teams that will represent the al and the nl and who ultimately is the champion this year in major league baseball i'm glad you picked me because i'm scared jack and i might have the same pick here i think the houston astros have the easiest route uh, to get there especially if the guardians can take down the yankees but i think regardless they're going to grind the yankees uh the astros they have a pretty clean path to the World Series, whereas the Dodgers, you got to get past the Braves most most likely. That's a team that I think could easily win it themselves. All right, so Astros, Dodgers, and then the Astros winning? 
Is that what I'm hearing? Astros Braves. Astros win it. Okay, Jack? I didn't see the Oakland A's on the odds board, so I'm kind of out of luck. I need a sec. Um, No, Astros Dodgers. The Astros win it in six. That's how I view it. I think that the Astros, much like what Aram is saying, are not going to be overly taxed. And I think that that rotation, that starting pitching, that pitching depth is so deep. Astros are going to hoist a real one, man. This was one of the best conversations we have ever had breaking down baseball here on the morning after. Arm Layton, Jack McMullen of Just Baseball Media and the Just Baseball Show. Thank you so much for your time. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. That was a wonderful October baseball preview for you, predicting the rest of the postseason. Those games start in just about two and a half hours in Atlanta with the reigning World Series champs, the Braves, hosting the Philadelphia Phillies. But now we go back to the National Football League. Tuesday is a great day live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid because we can set the early stage for the weekend to come in the NFL. In week six has some awesome games across the slate. So joining us to do that, a sports betting host from Line Starts, our good friend Shannon Somerville, back right here on the morning after. Shannon, thank you so much. Do you know what roughing the passer is in the National Football League? That's the <laughs> easy I don't think anyone does at this point, right? No, nobody does. Nobody has any idea. The NFL is going to look into it. That's the update that we have now on this Tuesday morning. And we saw another horrendous call last night on a Monday inside Arrowhead. It worked against Chris Jones and the Chiefs, but ultimately Kansas City prevails 30-29 to against the Las Vegas Raiders. They do not cover Shannon as a seven-point favorite, but still a four-and-one team. That sets up a huge Sunday forthcoming against another four-and-one team, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are the favorites in the AFC, but Kansas City is just behind. A rematch of that wonderful divisional round game in the AFC last January one of the best football games Shannon that I have ever seen and Buffalo enters KC as now a three point favorite how good do you think round two between Buffalo and Kansas City is going to be on Sunday afternoon Ben I think this is going to be an awesome one and certainly the game that I've been looking forward to the most so far this season it's a rematch as you mentioned of last year's AFC divisional match where the Chiefs prevailed in overtime 42-36 you know the Bills are going to be looking for revenge in this one and this is a scary Bills team this offense leading the league in passing yards leading the league in total yards And going up against a Chiefs defense that's allowing the second highest completion percentage, that's got to be a mouthwatering stat, especially if you are Josh Allen. It's also a very complete team, as Tony Romo mentioned on the broadcast, where the Chiefs played the Steelers and just blew them out 38-3. to He said, this Bills defense is so complete. And they're banged up right now. A very scary proposition. And the Bills defense allowing the fourth fewest yards, six most sacks. Von Miller has been an absolute beast. Leads the league with a 23.1 quarterback pressure rate. 
Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for the Chiefs. I'm looking at the Bills. They keep getting better every week. I'm leaning Bills in this one. However, we've seen some pretty amazing games between these two in the past. It's going to be a tight one. I think this actually, the Bills opened at plus one in this one. So it's interesting to see how it's moved since last night's game. Yeah, Shannon, you're completely right. The market is working in favor of Buffalo. Last night, right before kick, I checked because I was like, oh, what is this line going to do as we see the result on this Monday? The Chiefs won. They came back from down 17. I understand it was a struggle early against the Raiders, but Casey entered last night as a point-and-a-half underdog. They are now a three-point underdog against Buffalo. Again, it would just be the second time since the start of the 2020 season, two-plus years, KC booked as a dog. The first two weeks ago in Tampa, the Chiefs won outright. It's kind of like Alabama as a money line underdog. You just have to bet it based on principle. But Shannon, it's not just these two teams that are favorites to win the AFC, the two front runners. It's also the two shortest prices to win NFL MVP. Josh Allen on one side for Buffalo and Patrick Mahomes on the other side for Kansas City. An absolute duel. The last time we saw these two QBs on the field together. If you were starting a franchise today, Shannon, in the National Football League, which quarterback would you want and who do you trust the most? Oh my gosh, why are you doing this to me? Also, don't uh, don't think I didn't hear that Alabama reference as a Georgia girl. You know I took a little offense to that. That's all right though. Yeah. We're talking Alabama Josh Allen. as an underdog, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. It was because you have to bet Bama as a dog, but Georgia got the last laugh, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes certainly not underdogs by any means. They're looking at the stats though. Josh Allen right now leads the league in passing yards. Mahomes is 16th. Allen has six plays over 40 yards, which leads the league. Mahomes has just two, which ranks 21st. So we're just strictly going by the numbers. I mean, we've got to be objective in this one. This season right now, Josh Allen looks pretty good. Although I would say that he does have a few more weapons at his disposal than Patrick Mahomes. So you've got to take that into account as well. I don't know, you're putting me on the spot right now. But uh, I think I'm going with Josh Allen and Bill's Mafia in this one. I appreciate that. Circle the wagons. It's all good. Josh Allen, the shortest price we have seen on him to win NFL MVP all offseason, preseason, and now into the regular season, and even growing shorter on this Tuesday morning from 2 to 1, now to plus 175. Patrick Mahomes just about $2.25 behind at plus 400. So, Shannon, we go from that great matchup that we will see on Sunday afternoon into Sunday night football. A battle in the NFC East in Philadelphia. The lone remaining unbeaten. The Eagles a perfect 5-0. Hosting the Dallas Cowboys, who are 4-1. There is some questions about who will be the quarterback for Dallas on Sunday night. Could it potentially be Dak Prescott? So, Shannon, early here in the week, what is your approach to this great game we expect between Philly and Dallas? When I was looking at this matchup, Yeah, the Eagles have been absolutely uh, an amazing team so far through five weeks. However, when I looked at their strength of schedule through the first five weeks, it actually ranks 28th. It's been a relative cakewalk for them. When you compare that to the Cowboys, their strength of schedule ranks 8th. Most recently, they've got the win over the defending Super Bowl champions. So certainly their body of work maybe looks a little bit 
more impressive, maybe a little more battle-tested on that front. And then when you look at the defenses that the Eagles have faced, yeah, they've only played one team that ranked ninth in terms of total passing yards allowed. That was the Jags back in week four. So this Cowboys defense will by far be the toughest defense they will see. In fact, actually one of the toughest Cowboys defenses in quite a while, the last time the Cowboys defense didn't allow fewer than 20 points per game in each of the first five games of the season, 1972. Mm. I also want to note here, uh, one thing that jumped out to me was Jalen Hurts' passer rating in a clean pocket, 109.5. Under pressure, that drops to 59.1. And the Cowboys lead the league with 60 quarterback pressures. Of course, a lot of that hinges on the play of Micah Parsons, the linebacker, has been an absolute beast, wreaking havoc on opposing offenses, second in the league in quarterback pressures. He's tied for the lead in quarterback sacks. He could cause big problems for Jalen Hurts in this one. And because of that Dallas defense, you can see the clear distinction between the total for the Bills and the Chiefs. It was 53 and a half to maybe the second best game of the Sunday slate, the Eagles and the Cowboys. That number, just an over-under of 40 two and a hook but Shannon both of these teams in the NFC East Philly the only unbeaten team left in the National Football League a perfect five and oh but the Cowboys are four and one the Giants are four and one we don't really care about the commanders for this conversation Shannon Somerville is the NFC East the best division in football they are certainly looking like it right now if you're just going by the win column three teams with four wins I mean, it's hard to imagine that just last year, even we were calling them NFC least, even the Giants, you know, with the biggest upset in terms of point spread of the year we've seen so far when they upset the Packers was a nine point uh, point spread there. The Giants, though, I don't know about them. They haven't exactly been winning very decisively. Average margin of victory for them is four points. It is a tough division, the Cowboys and the Eagles. I'm not completely sold on the Giants, although they will always be competitive with Saquon Barkley. He's been an absolute beast. Um, So for that reason, yeah, they're competitive. However, I think it's... The Eagles and the Cowboys that scare you most in the NFL or NFC East. As, as you just said there, the NFC least to the NFC beast with beasts like Saquon Barkley. And I think it's a great point about the New York Giants entering this year with the easiest schedule based on win total projections and their own team win total was seven and a half in the under had the juice. The Giants have already won four games this year. Another tough test for New York at home This weekend, back in MetLife, the return from London, a five-point home underdog against the Baltimore Ravens. So, Shannon, overperforming expectation the Giants so far this season. How do you evaluate New York right now? As I mentioned, I don't know if I'm buying the Giants completely. It's probably the ugliest uh, four-win team. Average margin of victory, like I mentioned, four points. I think they have been getting slightly lucky At the other end of the spectrum, Ravens' two losses came by four points to the Dolphins, three points to the Bills. So they've been extremely competitive in just about every game this season. And the Ravens knocked off a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, AFC North rival, the Bengals. So their body of work looks much more impressive than the Giants right now. Although you cannot discount the performance of Saquon Barkley so far, just logged his fourth game with 100 plus total yards. 
However, Baltimore hasn't allowed any opposing running backs more than 80 yards. That might be something to watch in this one. Also, you've got Lamar Jackson getting some weapons back. J.K. Dobbins is back in the fold, starting to reacclimate him to that offense. Also, Rashad Bateman might be back in this game as well. The Giants pulling off the upset in London against the Green Bay Packers. Now Aaron Rodgers and the Pack get to face the other New York team that plays their football in New Jersey. But this game in the state of Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. Green Bay, a seven-point favorite against a New York Jets team, Shannon, that is also above 500, three and 3-2 this year. All games booked as an underdog. So all three of those victories outright. Are you more impressed by what you have seen out of Gang Green or slightly more concerned by what you have seen so far out of Green Bay? Hmm, I'm going to say a little bit of both. I know the point spread seems a little generous here, given that two of the Packers' three wins came by three points or less. They just got beat by the Giants, and the Jets just put up 40 against the Dolphins. Yeah, I know they had a third-string quarterback in there, but nonetheless, very impressive performance from both sides of the ball, really. However, picking against an angry Aaron Rodgers is always a bad idea. Picking against an angry Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field, an even worse idea. Rodgers, six losses in the last 45 regular season games at Lambeau Field since 2016. Hasn't lost a regular season home game since 2020 and hasn't had back-to-back losses in regular season since 2018. How's that for pretty good at home? That is pretty good at home and maybe even good enough to cover a touchdown spread. Right now, the Green Bay Packers, though, have seen their odds get worse from this point last week. A win total that was updated at 11.5, now just 10.5, Shannon. And now they have the second best price to win the NFC North. They have won this division for three straight years in eight of the last 11. Quickly here, Shannon, one word answer Thursday night football. The Commanders and the Bears. It's a one-point spread. The total is 37 and a half. Shannon Somerville, are you going to watch? I don't know. About, yeah, I'll watch. Although the okay. Thursday night yeah, games past couple have been a little disappointing. But, yeah, the Commanders can't keep anybody out of the red zone, allowing 25.6 points per game. Ranks 26 in the NFL. That's the stat for me that stands out there. Yeah, it's going to be tough to come by points. 37 and a half for that total. Shannon Somerville, a sports betting host from Line Star. Thank you so much for your time. We round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our show today, two hours together live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Today has been a ton of fun, a huge Tuesday in the sports landscape. Thank you for joining us on Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SpizGrid Network, that's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. A huge Tuesday in sports. Yes, football is king always, but the NHL season starts tonight major league baseball in the division series about to start in two hours time all four series four matchups on the diamond today so as we round out the show that's our focus i have loved this so far the k-prop playoff unders it was profitable for me 
last weekend. I hope it will be again on this Tuesday to start off the DS's around MLB. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for a Major League Baseball K-Prop playoff under best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. All right, so there's some pretty heavy juice to the under on these starting pitcher K-props because there is that expectation from the odds of in the postseason, it's the best teams remaining, only eight left in baseball this year in the playoffs, and there is that ability for the quick hook. So the volume of being out there to rack up the strikeouts is not necessarily the same now as it is throughout the regular season. Say it with me. We're fading Garrett Cole up in the Bronx today at Yankee Stadium. His K-prop? Six and a half against the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians do not strike out. In fact, in the last month against righties, the lowest K prop in all of the bigs, or the lowest K rate, rather, in all of the bigs, less than 17% of the time. And you heard it from Jack McMullen and Arm Layton. Mike Clevenger, it's been a struggle down the stretch. He's gone under, yes, even a small number of three and a half in four straight starts and in eight of the last 11. So those two together, under Garrett Cole, six and a half, under Mike Clevenger, three and a half. You put them together, plus 191. The K off play, K prop playoff under. That's how we're going to round out the morning after on this Tuesday. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow on a Wednesday, live right here on Sports.